All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Oh, well, a lovely Friday afternoon. How are you? It's Pause of Friday on Sports 1440. Orders Nation uh, YouTube and Facebook, and it is also game day as the orders. Try to do something they haven't done all season. And that is uh, avoid a losing streak. Every time they've lost a game, the first one, they lost at least one more after that. They had a two-game losing streaks, four-game losing streak, four-game losing streak, three-game losing streak, three-game losing streak. They have never lost one and then been able to win the next game. So they will try that tonight in Anaheim against the Quackers. It is the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And of course, Lotto Max, baby. There's uh, lots of reasons for you to uh, go to PlayAlberta.ca. If uh, if you're just interested in uh, in lottery, it's a good place to stop. One-stop shop because $55 million. The Dylan Holloway of uh, lottery winnings could be yours tonight to play alberta.ca and of course the uh, oilers are a heavy favorite tonight against the ducks they have won eight of their last nine games against anaheim they've won their last four in anaheim they've outscored them 15 to 4 in two games this year also now before before anybody even types it stop it because i know somebody's thinking it yeah but gregor the orders aren't good against bottom teams they play down to their level yeah they're 11 and 0 Okay, 11 and 0 in their last 11 games versus bottom 10 teams in the standings. The Ducks are actually uh, bottom three in the NHL. So um, could the orders lose? Sure. Do I expect them to lose? No. Now, uh, the lineup is an optional skate today. And I went back, I was listening to the head coach. Uh, he was very clear this. We know what the forward combinations are going to be. Perry's going to play with Kane and Drysaddle, and uh, the McDavid line will stay together. Fogel's going to play with McLeod and Holloway. That's a lockdown. The pa- defense pairings, Knobloch, who has been very upfront ever since he arrived in Edmonton, he'll tell you who the starting goal tender is the day before. He doesn't hide anything. He said, you know what? I'm not sure if the defense pairings we had in practice yesterday are going to be the defense pairings tonight. He was uh, he was very clear about that. He uh, didn't uh, he didn't commit a hundred percent. So uh, we shall see. They had an optional skate today, so there's nothing there. But uh, we will find out. I, I could see them having two new. I do think DeHarnay is going to play with Nurse. I could be wrong, but that's the uh, that's the one. And to me, it makes sense. Why not uh, uh, see what you have there? I'm not one who wants to ship out Cody Cece like the trade. I'm, I'm seeing people, and even guys I work with at Orders Nation. I'm like, are these guys on glue? You're going to trade a first and CC for Sean Walker? Stop. 
Okay, that is the worst trade request suggestion I have heard in a long, long time. <laughs> Think a first and CC. What? Sean Walker, I'm telling you, I don't believe he is a top four defenseman on a cup contending team. I'm sorry, I don't. The owners gave up a first and Tyson Berry, along with Reed Schaefer, for Matthias Ekholm. Matthias Ekholm, guy who had been a top pair and a top four defenseman for, I don't know, like eight years. Sean Walker's been a top four defenseman for a grand total of 50 games. And people now want to anoint them like, this is the difference maker? Come on. There's no reason for lunacy. None. And I'm sorry, but that's a lunatic suggestion. A first and CC for Sean Walker. What? New, new, new. Should never happen. Ever. Uh, the uh, Oilers, hey, they're playing really well. They lost to the uh, Golden Knights. Uh, I would expect them to uh, to bounce back tonight, uh, no question. Uh, on the show, we got uh, a loaded lineup for you. Brian Hayward, former NHL analyst for the Ducks, uh, will be by. Ducks have had uh, lots of different injuries at times to some of their young guys. A few of them might be coming back tonight, so we'll find out about that. Uh, we will have uh, Jaron Dubin joining us to uh, talk a little uh, football. Of course, the uh, Super Bowl goes on Sunday. We got Speck and LT, uh, Wanya Gretz, uh, Craig Button, of course, is, is coming by for his uh, regular uh, Friday chat. We also should mention, because I was just out there uh, last weekend, and um, Nick Taylor, whew, what an opening round. Now, he was delayed, right? But uh, he finished the opening round 11 under. Shot a 60. Now, of course, they, they got to finish uh, day two, and uh, he is plus one through four holes. Uh, he now has a one-stroke lead on uh, Andrew Novak, who has started the second round on fire. He is a uh, three under through six. You've got uh, Maverick McNeely at seven under, uh, Sahith Figala, as well as uh, Doug Gim, Kurt Kitayama at uh, six under. So the uh, Canadian, Nick Taylor, having, uh, having a good day, good start to the tournament. Corey Connors is uh, three under, and now he's uh, through two holes on uh, on round two for him. Uh, other Canadians... In the uh, field, you gotta you gotta scroll a long ways down, unfortunately, to uh, to find them. Uh, Adam uh, Svensson. Now, now he is uh, he shot an even par, but uh, has him tied for sixty uh, second, which uh, would have him at the uh, making the cut if he can uh, just. Uh, I shouldn't say just because it's hard to par, but uh, if he could uh, shoot par today in round two, he should uh, he should make it. Uh, Adam Hadwin uh, ended up finishing a uh, plus four. He's going to need to. Uh, a heck of a day today to uh, to get to the weekend. But uh, Nick Taylor, looking good so far. There's lots of tournament left. Lots of tournament left. But uh, Nick Taylor, if you're a golf fan, starting to uh, talk a little golf. I like it. Uh, that course is in unreal shape. I was just there. The uh, the 16th hole. The, they've basically doubled the capacity in that hole in the last two years. Last year, they went up to 20,000 people around one hole. And then if you look at hole 17 and hole 18, like it's... Hole 17, I think, is, is almost as close to as many fans. Like, they've got so much seating there. They, they're expecting 1.3 million fans over four days. Now, that's obviously not unique fans. Some people might come every day. But basically, they're averaging 300K plus per day at that tournament. It's nuts. Nuts. Hey, Greg, are you betting your hairstyle on uh, Oilers win? Well, that would be a little uh, redundant. Uh, you know what? It, well, first of all, it's not a bet, Lou. What are you giving me if, if they win? That's a bet. Okay, let's don't confuse a bet to a promise. Very different things. And uh, nah, like I said, uh, people saw the hair. Most didn't uh, want to see it, including yours truly. So, no, but uh, I would be stunned if the Oilers lose tonight. Um, Anaheim is a very good matchup for them. And I think this this the orders are twenty four and four in their last twenty eight games. They're twenty six and seven under Knobloch. Their goalies haven't allowed more than two goals in fifteen consecutive games. Why would anybody think they're going to lose tonight? They're very good. Hey, Gregor, who was the uh, last team to win the Stanley Cup without uh, any moves at the deadline? Uh, that's a good question. Any moves? 
Well, obviously Vegas had Barbashev. Uh, Colorado made quite a few uh, moves at the uh, at the deadline. Tampa Bay, you know, always uh, tweaks around the edges. Made one. Um, St. Louis did St. Louis. That might be the team off the top of my head. I'm trying to think if they made any additions at the deadline that year. Um, I'd have to uh, I'd have to check. Now, are, what are you talking? Because if you make a trade in December, does that count? Or are you talking, you know, a month leading up to the deadline? Uh, the Blues might be that team, but I'd have to double check. Um, Washington, I know, made some moves. Pittsburgh did. Most teams will make one. But you got to remember, like, team, Michael Hanzus is still, to me, one of the greatest trade deadline acquisitions of all time. The Blackhawks gave up a fourth rounder to get him. And he ended up being their second line center and playing a pretty significant role for them in their Stanley Cup win one year. Like, that's ideal. When he was acquired, there wasn't many people that thought he was going to make that big of an impact. So, guys, do you think it's possible uh, Ken Holland does nothing? Dean, well, in theory, it's possible, Dean. In reality, no. Um, Bare minimum, they're adding a veteran defenseman. Lock that in, guaranteed. They're going to add a seventh defenseman. Um, I also think I could see a maximum of potentially three new players, two out outside of that. I think they're going to look for a second-line right winger. Uh, I, I think they have uh, some interest in a, in a fourth-line center. We talked about it yesterday in the show, Nick Dowd. But I wouldn't stop at Nick Dowd. Right? If I'm getting Nick Dowd, I would also like to add his left winger, a former teammate of Stuart Skinner's. Beck Malentine. They played together uh, only for 38 games in the playoffs when he was acquired uh, during their uh, their run. Uh, Manny Viveros was the head coach when the uh, they went to, to the Memorial Cup, the Swift Current Broncos. Big six foot three. Went, those guys play together all the time. They take on some tough minutes. They start in their defensive zone pretty much all the time. Now, obviously, I mean, those are like on stoppages. We're not talking on the fly, of course. So. We would, uh, I, I would, I'll say this. I will be stunned beyond belief. I'm going to say probably it's impossible that the orders make no moves because I think they have to at bare minimum add a, a veteran defenseman to this club. But you know, you, you get one injury and all of a sudden you could be scrambling potentially. And now, Hey, and there's a few other things, you know, I've seen, you know, some rumblings. Oh, the orders are interested in moving Phil Broberg. When I see a comment like that, I'm like, yeah, if you could get like a legit for sure. But I'll, I'll be honest, look at the defensemen that are available. Are any of them as good as Matias Echo? And that's what I'll ask people. So let's take a step back. I always like to say, okay, when I hear rumors, I'm like, okay, well, let's look at the track record of Ken Holland. When was the last time Ken Holland gave up somebody who's considered a really high prospect? Reed Schaefer wasn't considered a super high prospect. When was the last time? Right, he had never he had never traded a first rounder until he got Hamilton. So people thinking he's just going to give away Philip Broberg because some people are are because Philip Broberg early in the year was maybe a little frustrated as he should have been. I understand it as a young player, he wanted to play, he wanted to play in the NHL. So what? I think they have Phil Broberg because the Edmonton owners don't believe because there's no guarantee when the playoffs start that they're winning this year, right? We can all agree to that. There's no there's no guarantee they're going to win. They could win. Heck, they could lose in the first round against Vegas in a seven-game slobber knocker of a series and not even play poorly because you got some good names, good teams, excuse me. So I think he, even though he might not be here next year, he might retire, I don't believe that Ken Holland is going to suddenly just go crazy and be like, yeah, it's my last year. Let's just put all the chips in. He's never really worked that way. Like last year, he gave up Barry, and he gave up Schaefer in a first for a guy who had potentially four playoff runs in him and Matias Ekholm. He had last year, and then he had three more full seasons left on his contract. Right? That's not just a rental. So look at the defenseman available. Matt Dumba, Chris Tanev. Now, Noah Hannafin, he's the best defenseman available. I don't think there's any question about that. If he doesn't sign a contract between now and, uh, and the 8th of March, which it, you know, it seems like it's going that way, there's, there can always be changes. 
Now, but Hannafin also doesn't have any contract past the end of this season. So he could, in theory, be a pure rental, even if you want to tell yourself, yeah, we're going to trade for him, and then we could sign him. There's no guarantee. Chris Tanev, Penn and UFA. Walker has been a top four defenseman for all total of 50 games. Carrier, same thing. And I think both of those guys are probably considered really good number fives. From scouts I've talked to, me watching myself, and and, and then you got to look at the history of Ken Holland. He is a big believer in size on the back end. Look at who they've drafted. Look who's come up in the system in Edmonton. Broberg, Niemalainen, DeHarnay. Can't, are any of them under 6'3"? Honestly. Now, I know they just got Bo Wakey, and It doesn't mean you can never draft one. If you think he's that good, that's fine. But I'm saying if I look at the norm, do I think that Ken Holland is going to add a 5'11", like not Kale McCarr, not Quinn Hughes, not Adam Fox-type defenseman? For his top four, I'd be surprised. And I'm, I'm basing that off of 30 years of history. When you look at it. So I think they'll make a move. But I, I, I think some of the suggestions there that, oh, they're just going to throw in Broberg. Like, look at even the Fords. We all know they'd like to get a second line right winger. So even if the Devils fall out of it to Foley, UFA at the end of the year. Gensel, UFA at the end of the year. Jordan Eberle, UFA at the end of the year. Tarasenko, UFA at the end. You think they're going to give up Philip Broberg? For a guy who might only be a three-month rental? Based on what? There's zero track record from Ken Holland to suggest that that's what he would do. Zero. So people can, you know, you can read this stuff and, oh, I heard this guy say this on that show. But then you always got to ask yourself, how realistic is it? Because we know what happens here in the next month. Everybody knows the orders are looking at players. We can all agree with that. And so lots of names. You'll, you'll have lots of names connected to Edmonton. How many of them are going to end up in Edmonton? Let's be real. Probably two or three at the most. But I don't, uh, I, I think you can, can cool your jets a little bit if, if you think that like Phil Broberg's a lock to get moved. I'd actually say at this point, I think it's way more likely he doesn't get moved. Because unless there becomes a player available, who has multi-years left, that then you can at least say, hey, you know what? We're giving up. Because I still think the organization views him quite highly, as they should. There's lots to like about Philip Broberg. I know some people get impatient. and well, He was drafted four years ago. He should be a star right away. I don't see it. Hey, Greggs, what, what do you think it takes to get Dowd? Trevor, I think it's a first-rounder, Trev. And I know some people are like, what? He's a fourth-line center. Yes, but he makes $1.3 million. He has another year left on his deal. There's a precedent because of Barkley Goudreau a few years ago. He also, Dowd has been very good for anybody. You crunch the numbers on Dowd. Go back and look at it. This guy is outstanding in his role. He can he can more than tread water against top competition. He takes a ton of defensive zone starts, which means, and all the, when you're starting in your D zone, it's harder to pre- prevent, or sorry, produce offense. Unless you're an elite guy like McDavid, which obviously he's not. So I'm going to say this. I think Nick Dowd, any team that acquires him, is likely giving up a first. Now, remember, a first for Edmonton could end up being pick 24 to 32. Right? It's not like it's a first when we think of like a top 10 pick. So, hey, boys, what's going to happen with Campbell? Do you think he'll ever find his game and get his confidence back? Or is he destined to be the highest paid minor leaguer from Jordy? Well, I read Speck's article today. You know, and, and Jack Campbell's in a very good spot. He says, you know, he's very happy with how it is. He's just kind of relaxed. He's he's playing really well. Uh, it was also, I think, a fair comment from Ken Holland said, the mistake Ken Holland made was when they sent him down, they made him play right away. They probably just should have given him some time to exhale, looking back, right? But, hey, that's hindsight. Didn't hurt him. But in a perfect world, Ken Holland said he probably just would have let him go down and do what they did in Toronto with Samsonov. He just went down there, didn't play right away. And then you let him play. So Campbell feels he's in a really good spot. He'd love another opportunity in the NHL. Barring injury and the fact, you know, Calvin Pickard wins again tonight. That's five in a row for him. Like, what more could you ask for your for your backup? But I think could I think Jack Campbell, if there wasn't the risk of losing Pickard on waivers, 
which I think there is right now. Lots of teams are looking for goalies, and Pickett's played well. Cost you nothing to get him on waivers. That I could see Jack Campbell, the way he's playing, could get called up here. Because make no mistake, the team that he would play behind right now is much different than the team he played behind the first 12 games of the season. Now, I know he only played, what, five or six games? But still, we've seen the difference. So I think Jack Campbell will get another look in the NHL. My question is, will it be on his current existing contract? The Oars, like if Jack Campbell plays well the whole rest of the year in the American League and they call him up and maybe gets a game at the end of the season in the NHL or maybe comes in a few relief games in the playoffs, I still would probably lean towards not buying him out next year because the more dead cap space you have, like it's just eventually it's too much for the team because the owners feel like they got a three-year window minimum here. To compete? If they re-sign McDavid, heck, the, the window's another decade or however long his contract is. Let's make that clear. But at minimum, there's this year plus two more. And I just don't think you can go into those seasons with six and seven mil in dead cap space. Too much for me. Uh, quick break coming up on the uh, show today. Uh, Brian Hayward will join us. Uh, we mentioned Button and more. We'll get to the con man on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 225 game day on sports 1440 and orders nation uh, youtube and facebook how are you it's positive friday it's nice outside lots of reason to be in a good mood hope you're in a great mood as we go uh, around the nhl brought to you by mcdonald's and uh, to add a little goodness to your mood uh, the mcrib if you don't know it is back baby but only for a limited time so uh, you should get in uh, right now try the uh, juicy boneless pork patty with the barbecue sauce. It is delish. Now, one recommendation. Personally, no onions. I just find it's a little bit better. But for those onion lovers, I'm sure you'll like it. But uh, you can go sauce, onions. Very good. With the McRib right now. And uh, we are joined by a uh, former NHLer, uh, analyst for the Anaheim Ducks, Brian Hayward. Join us, Brian. Welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Uh, just ended All-Star break for us here in Anaheim. So... We're ready to get back at it. Uh, yeah, they come back. The Orders have already played a game. Uh, uh, they played on Tuesday against uh, Vegas. The Ducks haven't played since the uh, 31st. Um, how, how much do you think the break impacts it? Do you notice it, you think, in the first period? Does Edmonton have an advantage just for the rust factor in the first frame? I would imagine that they would. Uh, Anaheim got their first practice was actually yesterday afternoon. Uh, 2.30 local time and uh, you know pretty brisk workout and then they had kind of an extended morning skate I would call it today but yeah I expect to see some rust um, I think it's inevitable almost although uh, it is kind of interesting because some of the teams have come out of break and have really performed well in their first games back so we will wait and find out the Ducks haven't had much luck with the Oilers this year and and I know that they are intent on putting you know, a much better effort out there tonight than they have so far. Yeah, oh yeah, Edmonton, what, 8-2 and 7-2 victories. And really, you know, it's not been a great matchup for Anaheim for the last few seasons. Um, it's kind of role reversal because uh, for many years, the Ducks used to beat up on the orders for fun. So uh, now it's kind of switched uh, a little bit. I, I guess, can, can you get an update on, on some of the injuries in Anaheim? Uh, how close is Zegris? Not close. Uh, you know, it's a broken ankle for Trevor, and I think he's at about the four-week mark right now. And I, I, I believe that's a six- to eight-week injury. So, you know, we're, we're at least weeks away for Trevor. He's not, you know, I haven't seen him around the rink in the last couple of days and uh, certainly not on the ice yet. Uh, Pavel Minchikov is close. He's not going to play in tonight's game. But um, he was out with a shoulder injury. Yeah. It's been four weeks. He and Zegers got hurt in the same game. Um, so hopefully Pavel is, is going to be back in the near future. Anaheim doesn't play after this game, by the way, until Monday when the team takes off for a, a Canadian road trip. And it starts in Montreal on Tuesday. So um, I, I would expect that Minchikov definitely is going to play at some point on this trip and, and hopefully earlier rather than later. And uh, Mc um, as for other injuries, you know, it's it's been that kind of a year for the Ducks. Alex Kalorin is still out. He has started skating. It's a, a, a broken or it's an issue with the knee. He had surgery. Um, he looks like he could be maybe a week. He may even join on this trip. And, um, you know, there are question marks about Mason McTavish now. He was not mm -hmm. at the morning skate today. 
And when asked about it, the head coach said that he is a game-time decision. So we're not even sure if Mason's going to be part of the lineup tonight or not. Well, and that's a big blow, right? Uh, you throw in Mason, you throw in Zegris, you throw in Kalor, and there's three of your probably you know, top six guys, maybe three of your top five forwards that, that are out of the lineup against a team that's won 24 uh, of their last 28 games. And, uh, you know, I look at this this lineup, uh, Brian, you know, you've been on really competitive teams, you know, and you've covered good teams, and then, of course, you've covered teams kind of in a rebuild in it. You know, you, you have young guys, but it does wear on players after a while. And they're, you know, you, you just wonder with all the youth in Anaheim and uh, I know they have played better lately, though. I think they're, what, 3-0-1 in their last four games. So are they showing signs of coming around, or are there still a long ways to go in your eyes? I, I think there's still a long ways to go. Um, but I, I will say this. Last year, um, you know, the Ducks got boat raced pretty regularly. You know, games where they were down 5-1 after two periods, and they weren't really competitive with the exception of the two Oiler games this season and one or two others, they've been a very competitive team. They, I think they lead the league in one-goal losses uh, so far this year. They're in most, most games in the third period, they're in it. They're, they just don't have enough talent or experience yet to, to finish games off the way that you would hope that they would finish off. I, I see a lot of improvement this season, even though the record doesn't reflect that. Um, they are an incredibly young team, and unfortunately for them, we just touched on the current injuries, but you know all of their young players, uh, you know Carlson, who I think is going to be a star, well, the Oilers fans will get a first look at Leo Carlson tonight. He hasn't played in either of the first two games. Mm-hmm. He might be their best player right now, and he turned 19 you know, three or four weeks ago. Um, Troy Terry is an excellent player. Um, but but you know what? If, if you're missing Carlson, who's been out injured significant time, Troy Terry's been out significant time. Max Jones has, is just coming back and will play today. They, they've just had one thing after another, and it's mostly their young players, you know, like Minchikov, that they're really trying to rebuild around that have missed significant time. So that's a big concern for me because this is a year that you would hope would be the development year for your young core to really spend some time together, uh, really give the general manager an opportunity to see where he's at and what he needs to do to build around that core. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked out that way because they've just been hit so hard by injuries. It's It's been brutal. Yeah. Uh, we are joined by an analyst for the Ducks, uh, Brian Hayward, former uh, NHL netminder. And, uh, you know, as we're a month away to the, to the trade deadline, uh, you know, teams near the bottom, lots of people are looking around and saying, hey, which guys can we get? Well, Adam Henrique is, is a player I think that, that would garner a lot of interest. Uh, you know what? He's, he's 34 years of age, but he can still play. Right, uh, he could be a second line center on a team. He'd be a hell of a third line center, I think, on on a playoff team. Um, do, do you think it's almost a for sure that he's gone? And then what about uh, Jakob Silverberg? Do, do you think he might be moved as well? Well, you know, both Adam and Jakob are, are you know two guys on expiring contracts, so a lot of speculation about you know what their future holds. Honestly, I hope they don't trade Henrik. Because he is one of the, you know, one of the voices in the room that I think is really respected. And with all of these young guys around, they, they, need, they need that veteran presence in there. Jacob Silverberg has started to play the best hockey he's played in the last two years in probably the, the two to three weeks prior to the deadline. He's, he's just coming back. He had hip surgery during the offseason. So he's just kind of getting back into, you know, 100% skating form right now. And it's really showed the last the last couple of weeks. Um, is it a foregone conclusion that they're gone? I don't know. I, I mean, Pat Verbeek's a GM that keeps his cards uh, not just close to his vest, but maybe embedded in his vest. So he doesn't tell us anything. And I, I got a feeling that, you know, if, if he reaches out to Adam and tries to re-sign him here or to Jacob, you know, that's certainly going to impact his decision. But 
if they don't agree to a contract prior to the deadline, then they definitely will be moved because Verbeek's not going to let them yeah. just, you know, leave on expiring contracts. He's just not going to do that with the stage this franchise is at right now. And and the same would apply to, you know, Ilya Labushkin is, is another guy in a, on an expiring contract. We're, we're hearing there's, uh, you know, interest in him as well. But oh, yeah. there's a core group here of young guys of about six or eight untouchables. And outside of that, you know, Verbeek will ultimately make those decisions. But, um, you know, th- this is the team that's going to be here when the Ducks are back as a contender again. How's John Gibson played this season? He's been outstanding. Um, you know, I-, I thought John really wobbled last year. And he got worn down and I think more than anything just depressed by how bad the team was in front of him. But this team defends much better this year. And again, the Oiler games are an exception to the rule. Um, But what I have seen this year is that the goalies have a chance here now. Um, Whereas last year, it was breakaways and two-on-ones, one after another, it seemed like on some nights. That's not the case. They've cleaned up their acts defensively. They're much, much better. I think they're down over, I think they've improved over half a goal in terms of goals against from where they were at last year. Uh, That's a reflection of how much better they defend. And both goaltenders, I think, have played well. So, you know, Gibson's still, in my mind, he's a top 10 guy. He, He has the ability to steal games. He has the ability, because of his athleticism, to make saves that only a handful of other goaltenders are capable of making. So John's been good this year. I, I know he's, his record doesn't look great, uh, but I, I will tell you that on a lot of nights he's been under siege and he's played exceptionally well. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one for him. I like I like you know kind of how you said your honesty. He was probably depressed after a while. Like he he, he kind of came into the league and his team was always competitive, right? Uh, uh, and then all of a sudden they just haven't been competitive. And I would think that would be, it's difficult for any player, but I think it might be even harder for uh, when you're, you're used to being competitive or suddenly you're not. And, and that wears down on you. Um, I, I will tell you this. I lived it in my own career. Yeah. You know, I played on very competitive teams in Winnipeg and Montreal. And even the year that I spent in Minnesota. But when I went to the expansion sharks, I was a mess because that team was a mess and uh, it does wear on you and it, it starts to affect how you play. And then, you know, you lose a little bit of confidence and then you try to do things that you normally would not do because you don't trust that, you know, guys away from the puck are covered and it, it just ends up, you know, kind of snowballing on you at that point. And, and that's what it felt like. I think for John Gibson last year, different story this year. Yeah. Brian, thanks so much for the rundown, man. I appreciate it. Have yourself an awesome day. You too. Take care now. It's uh, Brian Hayward, uh, analyst for the Anaheim Ducks. So it's interesting because actually I was going through the Ducks games. You're like, geez, you know, because when the orders play and they just spank them. And, and that's really been the case now for the last three years. The orders are eight and one against Anaheim. Uh, there's one game where they didn't score uh, at least five goals. And they the one game that was when they won three to one, right? In their eight wins. Otherwise, it's been like five two, six two, seven two, six one, eight two. Like they've dominated them. So you take Mason McTavish out of the lineup. There's no Trevor Zegers in the lineup. There's no Kalorn in the lineup. No Minchkoff. Like it'll be tough for the Ducks. Then you throw in the rest. I think you throw in the fact that the orders lost against Vegas, and we you're going to see at least. Uh, two juggling to the forward lines and we, we could see a few pairs maybe all three I, we'll see if all three defense pairs uh start uh different than last game like i wouldn't be shocked if it's deharnay that switch uh and cc right you have cc with kulak and they they leave bouchard with echo i could see that i wouldn't be shocked i'd probably be a little surprised if if he just used one practice and uh goes right back to the exact same three d pairs as last game i guess he could do it because the one thing that i appreciate about the head coach is he doesn't try to play the mind games, doesn't try to hide anything from the fans. He tells them, Hey, this is who my starting goalie is. These are who the lines are. But he did admit that he wasn't a hundred percent confirmed yet what he was going to do with his D pairs. The forward lines, we know for sure Fogel and Perry are switching spots. So that's what you can expect tonight. Uh, 833-401-1440. Text line in our E well inbox. Uh, we'll come back. We've got a uh, two-minute warning with uh, Cam Tate. Uh, we'll hear uh, from 
the head coach of the orders, Chris Knobloch, uh, Corey Perry going back. Now, this is not the first time Perry's played against the Ducks. I think it'll actually be his sixth or seventh game. Of course, you know, he's been in Tampa Bay for a few years, Chicago. So, but still, I'm sure uh, anytime he goes back there, uh, he'll have a little extra pep in his step. Probably put up some money on the board, uh, I would think. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to be a little juiced up. Hey, he gets to play with dry settle. It's never a bad thing. So I'll be uh, curious to see how he looks tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we'll return. It's a Gregor show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Awesome Friday continues on. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. Got a lot of texts flying in. 833-401-1440. We'll get to uh, Cam Tate momentarily. Hey, guys, uh, Brian Hayward's mask was always one of the coolest ever from uh, Husks. He did have a few good ones. I like it. Hey, Gregor, you know what else should never happen? You as a GM. I'm not sure Walker's even an upgrade in CeCe, but you make sure you keep all those first rounds. You keep uh, needing the, those guys to play for when McDavid and Drysaddle leave because Skinner was out and Jack was in before the six-year buyout for Mick. <laughs> hey, Mick, listen to what I said. You have a great ability to uh, misconstrue things. I didn't say they can't trade the first rounder. I said I'm not trading a first rounder and CeCe for Walker. It's a ridiculous suggestion. Full stop. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Nothing more. Hey, boys, mark it down. Brown and Perry score tonight from Ben. Well, Ben, if uh, if you hit on that, that would be great. But at this point, I, I'm not even sure I can ever call for Connor Brown to score. Like, you know, he had a stretch there in early January where it looked like he was getting close. But he hasn't, he hasn't been close to scoring. Now, Matt, who knows? Maybe that changes tonight. But Corey Perry, I could see... At this point, like Brown, and I understand that he helps you on your penalty kill and all that stuff, but at some point you need more. You can't just be like, well, he's a good penalty killer for two minutes of the game. There has to be something more. He's not adding physicality, not having point production. He's good on the penalty kill. He's not a defensive liability by any stretch of the imagination, but when you're never scoring, like, what are you doing? So uh, to me, I think the... uh, the rope for Brown has been uh, far. Uh, it's like the uh, the best before date is long overdue now. You want to give him 10, 15 games? I think that was fair. Coming off a, an injury that kept him out a year? Okay. Well, you're coming up on over 40 games now. Like, it's just enough's enough. Gotta, you got to contribute. You got to find a way to contribute. And it, it can't just be on the penalty kill. It's nice, but it can't just be the penalty kill. Let's get to the uh, two-minute warning with uh, Cam Tate, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Stay warm all winter at LegacyHeating.ca. Here's Cam Tate. Thanks there, Big J, on this February the 9th. And to all our Chinese friends on this New Year's Eve, we wish you all the best. 
Fast Eddie here, reading the words Cam Tate. Riding a bike, we've all done it, right? Even me with the cerebral palsy. My dad put training wheels on my red and white bike because my balance, well, it wasn't good. I was the only 12-year-old in the neighborhood of Linwood with training wheels. Perfect. Now, we've all fallen off a bike, and if I was a betting man, I bet 99.9999% of us hop back on. I did. Even after when I wheeled my bike off the sidewalk and sustained a minor concussion. The point here is we move on. We try again. We learn from our mistakes, which makes us stronger, wiser now. The Edmonton Oilers had their unbeaten streak snap Tuesday night when the Las Vegas Golden Knights beat them. Not the end of the world. In fact, on the contrary, it's a good thing. It gives Connor's crew something to aim for. Work with me here. Sixteen games. That was the heater that ended this week. The Oilers could very well have their eye on 17, of course, which would set a new NHL record. Now, 17 games. And listen here, Grandpa ain't out of their reach. Win 17 games and there's 34 points. The Oilers, going into tonight's tilt against the Anaheim Ducks, are sitting on the pond with 59 points. Add the 17 wins and 34 points to the 59. There's 93 points. Now hang on. The Oilers have 36 games remaining. So let's subtract 17 from 36. We come up with 19. The Oilers have a 630 win a percent, and of 19 games is 11.9 or 12, which is an additional 24 points, 93 and 24, 117 points after 82 games, 9 points more than last year. And that means only one thing. Look for the Edmonton Oilers riding bicycles down Catella Avenue on their way to the Honda Center later this afternoon in Anaheim. I two-minute warning, every Monday and Friday, Sports 1440. Tater's really loving the uh, <laughs> the bike sound effects. That horn was awesome, though, I have to say. Who didn't have a horn like that on your... Now, kids nowadays, I don't think, like, now you just have a bell, right? I don't know if there's... Does anybody... I'd be very curious. Is anybody out there right now riding around? I know maybe not right now because it's wintertime. But does anybody have a horn on their bike or their child's bike? Because after listening to that sound effect, would you want the horn instead of the bell, Connor? Yeah, I've got the bell now, but I used to have the horn. Like, I think I, I, I'm saying I prefer the horn. Yeah. Mine, the one that I had, it must have been from, a, like, a Happy Meal or something. It was Slimer from Ghostbusters, <laughs> and it was awesome. Jeez. Yeah, real core memory unlocked there by Tater. Yeah. So, <laughs> we got to reach out to United Cycle or something, see if they uh, hook us up with those. It'd be great. It'd be great. Hey, Gregor, why didn't you read the part about you said that uh, you're going to run with Campbell for the next three years? Again, I didn't say that. I said the Edmonton owners can't afford to have more dead cap space on a buyout from Jack Campbell. Now, because Skinner only makes 2.6 mil, and the way he's playing, he's probably worth 5, 6, 7 mil, like a starter. Their money is reversed. But it doesn't change the cap hit, which would be the total of 7.6, which is not a ridiculous amount of money for your two goalies combined. Yeah, you'd like Campbell to make the backup money and Skinner to make the starter money, but it doesn't really matter towards the cap. What matters is if you buy out Campbell, now you just have more dead cap space down the road. This is very simple to understand. You're the only one arguing it, Mick. You're the only one. Hey, guys, I'm calling Brown to be one of those guys that catches fire in the playoffs. Stewie's friend from Camrose. Well, Stewie's friend from Camrose... Are you certain, like, is it a lock that Connor Brown's on the roster in the playoffs? Like, I, I understand the theory that you're like, well, he can't be this worse offensively. But Toby Reader would tell us it's possible. And when you watch Brown's game, if you can find someone who can kill penalties... But adds other, like, is Connor Brown suddenly going to get more physical in the playoffs? Right? Like, how, and 
Like, how much is a fourth-line guy really going to score? Right? Like, how many fourth-liners really light it up in the postseason? Like, if you get a goal a series, you're pretty happy from your fourth-line guy. Right? So, you know, at this point, because the bar is so low that you're like, hey, if Brown scored a goal in a series, you'd be like, unreal! Which is nice, but again, the bar has become so low. So... Hey, boys, uh, what about Boone Jenner? Does he be available? I, I have no, I can't comment uh, accurately if Boone Jenner's available. I, I know people have uh, have speculated about it. He's their captain in Columbus. He's got a really decent cap hit. But for Edmonton, when you look at his cap hit, like, he plays top six minutes in Columbus. So his cap hit there is very good. But he'd probably be looking at, like, a third-line center. And now he's 3.75, and you have Ryan McLeod at 2.3. So I like Boone Jenner. And maybe you get them to to retain some salary or something, but like I'm not I'm not sold that Boone Jenner is what the orders need. Like if I could get Nick Dowd at 1.3 instead of Boone Jenner at 3.7, I'm taking Nick Dowd all day long. So that's where I say I'm not I'm not sure how the fit is and where he fits in your roster. Unless unless you're sorry, unless you're thinking you're gonna move McLeod and then you're gonna move Kane to the right side, and that's your way to you know to to fill that void that I think everybody agrees they have on the second line right wing. Like they'd like a legit second line right winger in a in a perfect world. But like Tyler Toffoli for me is the best case, and he's only available, I think, if the Devils fall out of it. They lost last night, Jack Hughes' first game back, but their overall record with Hughes is infinitely better than when he's out of the lineup. Right? They're six, nine, and one without him, but they're a nineteen, twelve, and two with him. So I I think they're gonna wait. And I could see like a Toffoli deal could happen the final week. Right, trade deadlines March eighth. I think you could see a trade March fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that. Unless the wheels completely fall off in the next few weeks for the Devils, but otherwise, I think that's a team that looks and says, "Hey, like, is Philly that much better than us when we're healthy? Could we not get third place? Could we catch Detroit? Can we maybe catch Tampa? I don't know about Tampa. Like, I know they've been without Sergeyev for seventeen games. He came back. You know, they were excited about it, but." Now he's gone for likely the season or at least two months minimum, I would think. So, and uh, it was asked earlier about uh, uh, you know the trade, and the the only trade the St. Louis Blues made was they added Michael Delzato, but he didn't play in the playoffs. All right, so he played I think six games after the trade deadline, but none in the postseason. Still got his name on the cup because he played a total of forty regular season games that year in the NHL and. Uh, obviously, the Blues didn't have an abundance of uh, extra guys around, so you apply for it. He fits the bill. Away you go. A few other uh, quick texts, 833-401-1440. Hey, Cons, I had that uh, horn as well. also had the Ghostbuster siren on my bike. I swear I got it from DQ, but I can't remember. From uh, F Efron. Could be DQ. Hey, guys, Sean Dursey at 1.7 or David Savard at 3.5. Who are you taking? Neither. Um, A, I don't think David Savard's really on the market for Montreal. Uh, I'm not sure he's any significant of an upgrade on what they have. And uh, the orders don't like the orders don't need Sean Dursey. Right. I, I don't see where Sean Dursey fits in uh, for Edmonton's makeup of their team. Right. Um, I, I like Dursey's competitiveness. Right, he's got a little fire to him. Right, he'll drop the mitts. I like all of that, but you know they've got Evan Bouchard as their right shot offensive D man. They don't need another one. So that's uh, you know if, if he, you know if if you brought somebody who was a really good defender and had some offensive chops, great. But the orders have an offensive defenseman and who's a right shot and and Evan Bouchard. And frankly, he's better than uh, Sean Dursey as an offensive defenseman. So um, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't add Sean Dursey Fremton. I don't see any any reason why he would be connected here. So, two fifty seven. We'll take a quick break. Uh, when we return, 
Lorianne Munzer will uh, join us. We also have uh, Craig Button coming up uh, a little bit later on in the show. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, I'd recommend uh, reading Speck's article from uh, Jack Campbell on where he's at and kind of the honesty of the situation where it doesn't look like barring an injury. You're going to see him up here uh, the rest of the way up until, uh, you know, you can expand the roster. You get there's no salary cap at the at the playoffs. And then to me, it would be interesting. Like, let's say Calvin Pickard plays okay, but not great. But Campbell was playing really well in the minors. Would there be, would there be a swap then? That would be, uh, that would be interesting. And if he gets called up, would they play him ahead of Pickard at that point? We'll see. I'll say this: like Campbell's looking to salvage his career at this point. Right? Uh, the owners could still buy him out. I, uh, I would not be in favor of it. You just. Name a team that's winning with all this dead cap. Keep in mind, you've already got 3.25 mil of dead cap space for Brown next year. Plus 1.9 mil from the James Neal buyout, the final year of that deal. Now you're going to add more to Jack Campbell. Now you're talking like close to 7 mil in dead cap space. It's hard to be like, that's a few really good players. And then you have to get, you know, you go get a, a backup anyway. To replace Campbell, that might just be Pickard, sure. But you know how much savings then are you? T- you're like, yeah, okay, so you save two million bucks for a year, but then it hurts you down the road. So there's, I just I don't love buyouts all the time. Like if you're a bad team, buyouts can make some sense for you. But when you're a good team, like you'd rather find a way to get a team to take Jack Campbell and say, hey, we'll retain a million bucks. Some at least that's better than what the alternative would be for me. Let's get to the common man of sports 1440 update brought to you by Booster Juice. And hey, it's February. So you know what? They are rewarding you for being you. And today on the 9th of February, if your name is Stephanie or Omar, stop in at Booster Juice. You get a free drink. So tell all your friends, Stephanie, Omar, go down to Booster Juice, get a free drink. Uh, download the Booster Rewards app. And see if your name is next. Here's Connor Hatley. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 